0: Today I'm excited. We're going to continue uh, a brand new series we started together last week for the month of February entitled Equal but Not the Same. And we began last week talking about what does it mean to be equal and not the same and how can we celebrate our differences. We kind of used the phrase relational harmony and that's what we want to kind of continue to talk about today Uh, how that really the fullness of life that we experience in Christ is really found through relational harmony we talked about how that you can trace your greatest sorrows and your greatest joys back to relationships Uh, because it is relationships that really uh, are the key to us tapping in I really believe to what God has for us how many of you understand that discipleship really does happen through relationship. And that's really an awesome element of Christianity and why it's so important that we kind of grab hold of what we're going to be talking about today. So last week we asked the question, we said what is equality? And we read Galatians 3, I want to read it to you again today. It says, for you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. Amen. We had some new clothes put on this morning. Amen. Amen. And there is no longer, verse 28, there is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham, you are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. If you look at that next point, we said that equality in Christ literally means that every person has the same value, liberties, access, and opportunities. We talked about last week how that everybody has an instinctive value. You are valuable because you were created in the image and likeness of God. Your life has value and worth not because of what you do, not because of what you have, not because of where you live. You are valuable because you were created in the image and likeness of God. You are an image bearer of the Most High God and your life is intended to reveal and declare His glory to a world that desperately needs to see and know Him. We said that we all have the equal value. We all have uh, also, we all have the same liberties. We talked about how that uh, through Christ Jesus, removed the limits. Right? The Bible said there in Galatians chapter three that we're no, no longer Jew nor Gentile, we're no longer slave nor free, we're no longer male nor female, but we are all one in. Christ and we talked about that, what does that really mean? Does it mean we're no longer our nationality? Does it mean we're no longer a bond or slee or rich or bond or free or rich or poor? Does it mean we're no longer male or female? No, it just means that the limits are removed. That the limits, those things that bring limits, those barriers that hold us back from becoming who God has called us to be has literally, totally been eradicated through Christ. So in Christ, it doesn't matter what birth family you come from. In Christ, it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. In Christ, it doesn't matter if you're male or female. Every person has equal opportunity, equal access to God. And every person is equally available to tap into all that God has called them to be. And so that's what equality in Christ means. It means that we've all been placed on this awesome level playing field and that we have equal value, equal liberties, equal opportunities, and equal access to God. But we also recognize that it doesn't mean that we have the same roles and responsibilities. Even though we have equal value and liberties, we don't have the same roles and responsibilities because we are all equal, but we're not the same. Amen. Somebody say, praise God for distinction amen we are different amen that's a wonderful wonderful thing and the Apostle Paul in 1st Corinthians chapter 12 we're gonna reread this from last week the Apostle Paul kinda drilled down into this thought of equality in Christ and how that we are equal but we're not the same. There are distinct differences that set us apart from one another that do not undermine our equality, but actually empower us to operate in a place of harmony and unity that advances the cause of Christ, amen. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says this, yes, there are many parts, but only one body. And the eye can never say the hand, "I don't need you," and the head can't say the feet, "I don't need you." Let me just give you a great thought today. Look at the person next to you. look at him. Go ahead. I want you to realize something. You can never look at that person and say, "I don't need you." As a matter of fact, you need to look at them and say, "I need you." I need you, right? Whether, whether you know that person, maybe you're sitting next to a stranger and you're like, that's really weird, Pastor Keith, you know, <laughs> kind of freaky. What kind of church is this anyway, right? I don't know. Hey, the reality is, as the Bible says we are one body. We're different parts, but we're one body. And the hand can't say the foot, I don't need you. The eye can't say the ear, I don't need you. We need each other. God has divinely, distinctly connected us together with our unique, differences but yet with the same equality so that we can come together and declare his glory and it is an amazing beautiful thing that God has done through the body of Christ that allows us to declare who he is by taking our diversity and using it in a place of harmony that reveals the glory of God and that's what we've been called to amen so look at the rest of this scripture It says in fact some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary And the parts that we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen. While the more honorable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together such that extra care, extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. Look at verse 25. He said, this makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. This makes for harmony among the members. So, God has connected us together, equal but not the same, so that we would, number one, recognize that we have got to work together. We need each other. Right? We need each other. And He says, He has so created the body that there would be harmony among its members, and so that each person would care for one another. Here's what I understand about people a person that does not believe they need anyone. Cares for no one. The more isolated and separated you are. If you have that little mentality, well, I don't need people in my life. I don't need my family. I don't need friends. I don't need the church. I don't need this. You know what I know about you? You care for no one. It is only through the revelation that I need you that I realize I better care for you. (laughs) I need you. So I better care for you. Why? Because you are a vital part of God's work in my life. I can't become the person I'm called to be apart from you. Why? Because we are one body. Many members, many parts, equal but not the same. And it's only when we come together for his glory that we are able to fully benefit from the union and the harmony and the unity that God intends to operate in our lives, specifically in his church. So when I realize I need you and you need me, all of a sudden it creates not only a harmony, but it creates a care for one another. Because when the body is not fully functioning, right, in the way it's supposed to function, it becomes unhealthy and what we may even diagnose as being sick. So we need each other, amen? Verse 26, if one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body. All of you together. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. Look at that next point. We talked about this last week. We said when we learn to celebrate our differences and honor them, we experience the anointing, refreshing, and blessing of God that comes through unity and harmony. Right? We looked at Psalms 133 last week. And we said that when we celebrate and honor the differences and we work together, all of a sudden what happens is it is that unity and harmony that releases the anointing, the refreshing, and the blessing of God over our lives. And we made this statement last week. We said one day of God's favor is better than a lifetime of labor. Right? God can do more in a day than you could do in a lifetime. All of your best efforts can't even begin to compare to one moment of God's outpouring of his spirit over your life. And this morning, today, we are celebrating. We just got through celebrating baptism. We actually have 19 people that are going to be baptized today. 19 people that are going to be baptized today. And what I want you to see, I want you to see something about what happened this morning. The celebration of baptism was not only an opportunity for them to publicly declare their faith in Christ, but it was also a declaration of unity and harmony in the body of Christ. We had seven of our children out of our children's ministry that accepted the Lord this past month. But how many of you realize there's not one single person in children's ministry that can take credit for those seven souls? As a matter of fact, it was an accumulation of every person that worked in children's ministry from the ladies checking people in to the people upstairs in the nursery to the people that were teaching the lesson to the ones that were leading worship to the ones that were putting together a snack or cultivating a a, a craft for the kids to do. Every person that put their hand to the work of children's ministry has a part in those seven souls. So when we celebrated their salvation and their baptism, we're celebrating the blessing of God that comes on unity and harmony when we work together, right? We had two people, we got two folks today at the end of service, they're going to be baptized in the pond, Pastor Rick's doing a pond baptism, I'm glad that's his job, not mine, praise God, he does a good job at it. We got two folks out of Celebrate Recovery, they're going to be getting baptized today, and as awesome as Pastor Rick is, he and Dusty can't take credit for it. Right, because there are a lot, a lot, a lot of people that are working at Celebrate Recovery. There are the ushers and the greeters and there are the people in the kitchen preparing the food, the people cleaning up the kitchen, the kids in the, in the children's hallway. We got media teams, we got worship teams, we got all kind of people that are putting their hand to the plow, working together for the common good of the glory of God. And today we get to celebrate two people from Celebrate Recovery who have been forever saved and changed because of the grace of God because it is the blessing of unity and harmony. That's what happens. The other people are the result of people that have made a decision on Sunday morning, either through our Sunday morning services or through our connection track or through our growth track, people that have come to know Jesus. You know what, I get to stand up here every week and preach, but I can't take credit for it. You know why? Because it's not the result of one person or one man. It's the result of so many different people from our ushers at the door, right, that are welcoming people to the people working the information center that are giving people accurate information to connect them, to folks in the connection track and leading the growth track, to our sound and our media team, to the guy behind the camera this morning. So many different people doing the things they do. Every person on the worship team, the people that got here this week and did stuff, setting up chairs, breaking down chairs, all of that stuff was the accumulation of the body of Christ, equal parts doing different work to bring together a unity and a harmony that God blesses and anoints and refreshes. How many know salvation is the supernatural work of God? And that is the blessing of unity and harmony. And today, when we celebrate their lives, 19 people today, that's a third, almost a third, of how many people we baptized the entire year last year. Sixty-three people last year we baptized. We're baptizing 19 today. You tell me God doesn't bless unity, God doesn't bless harmony. That is the blessing of God when people come together to work together for God's glory. Amen. So let's talk about the next question we want to answer actually together over the next few weeks. So how do we celebrate and how do we honor our differences? We're going to kind of begin to unpackage that question today and answer that question over the next few weeks. How do we celebrate and how do we honor our differences? Look at that next point on your outline. Here's step one to that. The first thing that has to happen if we're going to celebrate and honor our differences is that we have to define our differences. We have to define our differences. We have to clarify our roles and our responsibilities. This simple evaluation frees us and holds us accountable at the very same time. So what's the first step? The first thing that's going to happen if we're going to celebrate and honor our differences is we have to define our differences. Well, Pastor Keith, that kind of sounds divisive. No, it's not divisive. It is probably the most uniting thing we can do. Because until you are clear, until you clarify the roles and responsibilities that each person has to play, you constantly have frustration instead of fruitfulness. Think about it in your family. Think about it on your job. If you go to work tomorrow and there's confusion over the roles and responsibilities of the people on your job, you know what's going to happen? It's going to be a frustrating day at work, right? You go home to your family, and all of a sudden there's confusion over the roles and responsibilities in our home. You know what happens? There's frustration. There's contention. There's strife. In the church, what happens, right? When we don't know our roles and responsibilities, people come in, and they're kind of a part of the thing, but they're not really a part of the thing, and it creates frustration, confusion and strife. It happens in every arena of our life because there is something powerful about simply defining our differences, recognizing our roles and our responsibilities. And today we're going to look at three different areas where we have to do that. But before we do that I want to just kind of give you some insight into this. Two things the Lord said really happens when we clarify our roles and responsibilities. Number one, it frees us. It frees us from false responsibility. False responsibility, because depending on your personality, some of you have a tendency to take responsibility for things that are not your responsibility for. And you know what happens when you do that? You get frustrated. And guess what happened? Other people get frustrated too, because you're stepping on their property, right? You're doing their task. You're crossing their lines. And you know what? Let me just give you a simple example of this because here's something we all do. We all have a tendency if we're not careful, we will want to take up the role and the responsibility of God, the Holy Spirit. Have you ever tried to to convict somebody of their sin? You ever tried to make somebody feel really bad and you thought if I could just make you understand how sorry you are, you will cry out to Jesus. (laughs) I mean because you are sorry and this is horrible and I can't believe you're doing the things you're doing and I just want to list All these things that you have done wrong over the last 24 hours, you got about six months, and I will tell you what you're doing wrong. Because if you'll ever understand what I'm trying to tell you, you'll repent and cry out to Jesus. How many of you know that when you step into a role and take on a responsibility that does not belong to you, it does not produce fruit, it produces frustration. Right, we've all tried to be the Holy Ghost, right? I mean, I've tried to help him out a lot, to be honest with you. If I could just help him, right? But it doesn't work. Because when you try to convict people of their sin, they get angry and they get mad. But when the Holy Ghost convicts people of their sin, you know what they do? They start weeping and crying. Right? They start to weep and they start to cry and they actually repent and change their mind about how they've been living their life and they realize that they have been number one first sinning against God before they ever sinned against you. And so that's just a simple example of what happens when you start operating outside of your role and your responsibility. It doesn't create fruit, it creates frustration, and it doesn't work. Well, the same thing is true in your family, the same thing is true in your job, and the same thing is true in the church. Until you define roles and responsibilities, you're going to have a hard time being free, right? You're not going to be free of false responsibility. But once you define it, now everybody knows, this is my role, this is my responsibility. Not only does it free you from false responsibility, but it also frees you from unrealistic expectations. Because we'll take on false responsibility, and if we're not careful, other people will put unrealistic expectations on us. They'll expect us sometimes to be God. Ladies, you ever expected your husband to know what you were thinking? He's not God. Not even close. Right? Right? But when you expect them to know what you're thinking, even though you haven't verbalized it, how I many you know that's an unrealistic expectation? When you expect her to know what you're feeling when you haven't expressed your feelings, guys, then that's an unrealistic expectation. And all of a sudden, if we're not careful, we, if we don't define roles and responsibilities, we'll not only take on false responsibility, but we'll begin to put unrealistic expectations on people. Right, parents do it to kids, right? We want our three-year-old to act like a 13-year-old. Sometimes we wish our 13-year-olds would act like three-year-olds. But sometimes we have unrealistic expectations that we place upon our children, that we place upon our co-workers, that we place upon our church. And all of a sudden, until you clearly define the roles and responsibilities, there's, there's, there's this confusion and frustration. But the moment you define the difference... Here's the role, here's the responsibility. Then all of a sudden it frees us. But not only does it free us, what's amazing about God is it frees us from false responsibility and, and unrealistic expectation. But it also then holds us accountable at the very same time. So the same thing that frees you holds you accountable. Because now we know what our role and responsibility is. And now they know what our role and responsibility is. And so now there's real accountability. Right? Because I know this is my role, this is my responsibility, this is the lane I'm supposed to run in it, so I'm actually supposed to run in it. See, we, we have a, a crazy culture in, in, in America right now, and, and you hear a lot of people, especially in the church, talk about accountability partners. Well, I got an accountability partner, and I got an accountability partner. I have really been pushing people, and when somebody says, Well, I got an accountability partner, I say, Well, what are they holding you accountable for? Well, you know, to live a Christian life, well, what does that mean? See, until you define it, there's no accountability. Now, if they're holding you accountable to read three chapters every day in your Bible and pray for 15 minutes and share your faith with one lost person every seven days, and they're holding you accountable to attend at least one small group a week and come to at least one service on Sunday morning, then that's Accountability. But until you define what you're holding them accountable for, there is no accountability. It's just puff, spiritual smoke that we blow to make ourselves feel accountable. So you've got to define it. You've got to define the role, and you've got to define the responsibility. And when you do that, it frees you, and at the same time, it holds you accountable so that you can then begin to produce fruit instead of frustration. And that's a good thing. Amen? So let's talk about those three areas. The first one is relational roles and responsibilities. Relational roles and responsibilities. So y'all ready to let me mess with you a little bit? So I got three scriptures that are not on the screen. So if you want to read them, you're going to have to write them down and go home and look them up. I'm gonna mess with you a little bit this morning, okay? Sometimes we spoon feed you, and sometimes you need to get a fork and a knife and actually eat something. Amen. So I'm just gonna mess with you a little bit this morning. Let me give you three scriptures: Ephesians 5.33, Ephesians 6, 1 through 4, and Proverbs twenty-two 6. Now, for all of you Bible scholars, you're already quoting them in your head. For the rest of us, go home and read your Bible. Relational responsibility. I, I want to just challenge you to do something. I want to challenge you, Ephesians 5.33. Ephesians 6, 1 through 4, Proverbs 22, 6. Ephesians five thirty three, Ephesians 6, 1 through 4, Proverbs 22, 6. Those three scriptures talk about really the family relationships. It talks about husbands loving your wives and wives respecting your husbands. It talks about children obeying your parents and honoring them. And it talks about parents, parents not provoking their children but training them up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And so the reality is, is in the family unit, there are real roles and there are real responsibility. And the role of the husband is equal but different to the role of the wife. The role of the parents is equal but different to the role of the children. Right? The role of the brother is equal to the role of the sister, but they are equal but not the same. They have... Roles and responsibilities. I want to challenge you to do something. I want to challenge you to go home this week and have some real honest conversation in your family about the roles and responsibilities of each person. Now I'm not saying this to create a legalistic thing that you hold over somebody's head. I'm saying this to create clarity so you can effectively see the lane that you've been called to run in. Let me just tell a little story on myself. Kelly and I had an opportunity. We were in uh, Orlando, Florida this week, 82 degrees and sunny all week. It was beautiful. We were at an NRP conference and, uh, and we were down there. And so, most of you guys may or may not know this. A couple years ago, my Bible started getting blurry. I don't know what was wrong with it, but it started getting blurry. So, anyway, Kelly said I need to go to the eye doctor. I thought I need a new Bible. But anyway, I went to the eye doctor and uh, so he said I needed reading glasses and I said well you know I preach and I don't want to take glasses on and off. He said well I'll tell you what we can do. He said I'll give you one contact you're wearing one eye. So you can be a cyborg. I thought that sounded cool. Right? So for a couple of years I've been wearing one contact and one eye so I can read and see you guys all at the same time. It's really wonderful. And uh, so we were going on our trip this week and I forgot to bring an extra contact. So by Thursday my one contact, I've been washing it, rinsing it, it was, it was just done. So I had to break out Thursday the reading glasses. So Thursday evening, we go out to dinner. There's about 20 of us, the NRP uh, leadership team. We're out to eat dinner at this little Italian restaurant, I've never been before. And uh, so we walk in there, and I'd put my glasses in Kelly's purse. And so we sit down to eat, and they pass out the menus. And I reach in Kelly's purse and grab my glasses and put them on. And when I put them on, my vision got worse. And I took them off and it got clear but I still couldn't read the menu and I put them back on and it got worse. And so I'm kind of starting to freak out on the inside. I'm like, what in the world is going on? And then I start, you know, I'm really spiritual. So sometimes I think, well, maybe God healed me and I didn't realize it. (laughs) I'm so, I'm so, I'm goofy that way. I really thought that. And so I pulled them off. I thought, well, if God would have healed me, I could actually read the menu. (laughs) So I put them back on and it got worse. Fourth time, I take them off. I can see, but I still can't read. I start to put them back on, and I realize I had grabbed Kelly's sunglasses. (laughs) I thought about you, Pastor Rick. I am colorblind. Yes, I am. Clarity is key, guys. And the reason you need to go home and have some real conversations in your relationships is because clarity is key. It's key to effectively working together. See, if I don't understand my role, then I'm going to have a hard time honoring and celebrating your role. If I don't understand my role and my responsibility, I'm going to have a hard time honoring and celebrating your role and your responsibility. Because it's kind of hard to encourage somebody in something you don't know what you're talking about. Well, you got a role and you got a responsibility. I don't know what mine is, but I know you got one. And so what happens is, until you really define your role and your responsibility, you are limited in your ability to celebrate and honor the people that are around you. And until you understand your role and your responsibility in the family, and every family dynamic looks a little bit different, right? There's, there's differences in, I mean, we got kids going here and you got stuff going here and you got this happening here. And so there's all kind of roles and responsibilities that we have to feel But it's when we clarify those that it really does empower us to begin to work together and see God's kingdom come. Now the second area of, of roles and responsibility is occupational roles and responsibilities. If you got your ink pen, go ahead and write this down. It's not on the screen. Ephesians 6 verse 5 through 9, Ephesians 6, 5 through 9, occupational roles and responsibilities. So here, here's a thought. I want, I want you to see this. The reality is, is probably most of us have more clarity on our job than we do in our family. And what I mean by that is when you get hired in on a job, at least in our modern culture today, most of the time there's a job description right and we say all right this is this is your job description this is your role and this is your responsibility and if you got a really smart boss the last thing on your job description says and anything else we ask you to do right that's what we put on everything at the church anything else we ask you to do but you know what there's some clarity there right and we said it a while ago if you go to work tomorrow and there are not clearly defined lines of who's supposed to run this machine, who's supposed to make this phone call, who's supposed to return these emails, all of a sudden we have frustration and confusion. But when you clarify the roles and the responsibilities, all of a sudden people begin to function effectively. And again, once we clarify those roles, not only can I function at my highest level, but now I can actually work with you because I understand what you're supposed to be doing. And we can actually come together to advance the work that we've been called to do. How many of you know that whether you're the employer or especially if you're the employee, you have actually been hired to accomplish a task, fulfill a vision or a purpose or a mission of the place you're working for? Right? They didn't hire you just so they could give you a paycheck. They actually hired you to accomplish a task, to meet a need, to solve a problem. Right? They hired you for that reason. And the more clear that role and responsibility is, the more effective you are at doing it and the more empowered you are then to work with other people because now you know who's doing what and how we can connect together to accomplish the bigger task that we've all been hired to do. Now Ephesians chapter 6, the scripture I gave you, talks about those who are slaves and those who are free. And we're going to use employee and employer And the Bible just simply says this. I'm just going to read just part of it to you. He says, slaves obey your earthly masters with deep respect and fear. Serve them sincerely as you would serve Christ. Work with enthusiasm as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Verse 9 says, and masters treat your slaves in the same way. So he says for employees, modern day translation, "work uh, work uh, work for your employer as unto the Lord. Work enthusiastically and show them respect and honor in all that you do. And then he says, for you employers, treat your employees the same way you want to be treated. With respect and honor and enthusiasm. How many know if the employer is enthusiastic about the work? It makes it easier for the employees to get on board. So those are some kind of God-given responsibilities. But you know what? On your job, you have real responsibilities. These are things you're supposed to do and supposed to accomplish. So let me just encourage you this. If you're constantly frustrated on your job, maybe you need to sit down with your supervisor or your manager or your employer and say, could you please help me to clarify the role and responsibility because I want to do for you the best job I can do. And I can say this. I would dare to say there will be very few employers that would be discouraged by the fact that you want to do the best job you can do for them. They would probably be very excited by the fact that you're asking for clarity so you can better fulfill the task they've hired you to do. And that's a good thing. And so these are some just real practical stuff. How many of y'all say this is real practical stuff, Pastor Keith? And it's really important because it is key to what God wants to do in our life. Relational harmony begins with defining our differences and understanding our roles and relationships. Now the last thing we want to talk about is really where I want to go today because you know what, we're at church and I'm your pastor and uh, we're going to talk about spiritual roles and responsibility. Because I believe this is the most confusing area of all. I believe that our, in our families and in our relationships, we kind of have a clue of our role and responsibilities. I believe that on our jobs, we have a little bit more clarity, maybe, of our roles and our responsibilities. But when we come to church, I don't know that people know. And the more I talk to people and the more I ask questions and the more I listen, the more I realize people really don't know. What is my role and what is my responsibility as a part of the church? And so today what I want to do is I want to clarify, right? I want to I remove the sunglasses, <laughs> And we're going to put our reading glasses on. And we're going to get some clarity today. And I want to just share with you three roles and three responsibilities that make up the local church. Any and every church, but specifically today, we're talking about Liberty Church right here, right? Three roles and three responsibilities that make up the church. And everybody in this room and everybody that has ever attended Liberty Church or called Liberty Church their home, they will qualify. You will find yourself in one of these three roles and one of these three responsibilities. So let me read to you Ephesians chapter 4 this is on the screen therefore I prisoner for serving the Lord beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling for you have been called by God how many know you've been called by God always be humble and gentle be patient with each other making allowance for each other's faults because of your love make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit binding yourselves together with peace For there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father, who is over all and in all and living through all. However, he has given to each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. Now we're going to look down to verse 11. He says, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. So he just defined the gifts that Christ gives to us. This is sometimes called fivefold ministry. Or the ministry gifts. And then look at verse 12. He says, and their responsibility. So in verse 11, God clarifies the leadership role of the church. And then he defines that role. And then he declares their responsibility. So here is the responsibility of the leadership of the church. Beginning with me, to our seven pillars, to our elders. This is what we're responsible for. I want you to see this. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work. I want to stop right there. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work. So as a pastor, elder, or seven pillar leader here at Liberty Church, our job description, our ministry is to equip you for ministry. Our ministry is to equip you for ministry. It says their responsibility is to equip the church, the body of Christ, to do the work. Look what it says, to do the work of the Lord. So our ministry is to equip you to do ministry. Now that's an act that's an upside down backwards thinking, especially in the South, right? Because in the South, it's the pastor's job to do ministry. Right? He, he's the evangelist and he's the disciple maker and he's, he's the hospital visitor and he does the marrying and the burying and all that stuff and the counseling and puts all the pieces back together. And Lord, I mean, if you just, if you just take the image that the average person in the South has, a, has of a pastor, he's somehow like Jesus on steroids. That is not me. I'm just telling you. And that is an unrealistic expectation. Because my responsibility, the leaders of our church's responsibility, the elders' responsibility is to equip the church to do the work of the ministry. Now let me just break that word equip down. It literally means to completely furnish. It means to provide. I want you to see this. This is Keith Hodges right here. To provide the tools, the training, and the resources that you need to do the work of the ministry that God has called you to. That's our job. That is our ministry role. Our responsibility is to provide each person in this church the tools, the training, and the resources to do the work of God, to do the ministry that God has called you to do. And then he goes on and he says this. He says, and to build up the church, the body of Christ. The word build up literally means to uh, to, to, uh, to build up and it means to literally promote growth. And so our job as leaders is to Provide each one of you the tools, the training, the resources that you need to do the work of the ministry that God has called you to do in such a way that it promotes growth to the entire body. Now what's exciting about this, this is not about individual achievement. This is about corporate maturity. Not individual achievement, corporate maturity. Ministry really should happen there. You are the ministers of the Lord. And my job and the leader's job, our ministry is to minister to you so you can do the ministry. I told you I was going to mess with you today. So that's our responsibility. Now let's read on. Verse 13, this will continue until we all come to such unity in the faith. And knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. But instead we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. Look at verse 16. And he makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. All right. So it's time to go, but we're not going to go. i got to give you three things. Here we go. The first role of responsibility is attender. Some of you in this room are attenders. And if you're an attender, your responsibility is to do what your name says, attenders, attend. They just show up. Attenders, attend. They just show up. They show up to church. They show up to Celebrate Recovery. They show up to small group. And they just show up. And that is their role. And that is their responsibility. I'm just an attender. And I'm just going to show up. And that's okay for a season. We all start out as attenders. Because attenders are not just showing up. You know what attenders are doing? Attenders are also checking out what's happening here. Let me give you a sobering thought. Lost people come to the church trying to find God. Lost people come to the church trying to find God. That means they're looking at me and you to introduce them to Him. That ought to sober us up a little bit. Lost people come to the church to find God. Christian people come to the church to find God. People come to church to find God. Right? Nobody goes to church because it's a cool thing to do on Sunday morning people go to church because they're actually looking for something think about it they're looking for something what are they looking for? they're looking for a genuine encounter with God so if you're here today and you're an attender I just want to say we're glad you're here and I want to encourage you to keep showing up because I believe if you keep showing up God will change your life I mean where else are you going to encounter God other than the church I believe this is the perfect place for people to encounter God but I want to encourage you in this you can't stay there because if you show up long enough what's gonna happen is you're gonna get saved right you're gonna encounter Jesus in such a way that you're gonna say hey I want to follow him and give my life to Christ and you're gonna get saved the moment you get saved your role changes the moment you get saved your role changes and all of a sudden in a moment a twinkle of an eye when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior you go from being an attender Look at that next point to being a member you become a member i want you to see this twofold you become a member of the universal church how many of you know everybody that names the name of jesus christ confesses that he is lord and savior over their life that we're all a part of one body and one church but there's a second element when you get saved you become a part you become a member of the universal church but god now expects you there's a responsibility to become a part of the local church because it's only when you become a part of the local church that you can begin to fulfill your God-given responsibilities in the body of Christ and I'm going to give you four today number one if you have been saved you have a responsibility to connect Connect to God and connect to other believers. Connect to a local church. You have a responsibility to do that. Let let me just reread one of these scriptures to you. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3 says, Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. We're to be united in the Spirit and we're to bind ourselves together. you got to be connected. We are one body, right? We are many members, but we are one body. So you have to be connected. That's your responsibility. As much as I would love to connect you for you, I can't do that. You have to connect yourself. You have to take responsibility and say, I've been saved. I'm a member of God's overall church, the universal church, but I need to be connected to a local church. I've been an attender, but now I'm a member. So I have a responsibility to connect. Well, Pastor Keith, how do I do that, right? I mean, y'all have three services here at Liberty. It's kind of confusing what's going on. Well, we tried to simplify. So how do you connect? Well, we created this thing. We created a tool, a training, and a resource called the connection track. So how do I connect through the connection track? We trying to make it simple, obvious, and strategic, right? So every Sunday at 11 o'clock in our cafe, we have our connection track. A connection track is four weeks that helps you connect and become a member of the local church. You're saved, you're a member of the big church. Now you need to be a member of a local church. And you're responsible for that. Once you get saved, you have lost your attender status. You have been bumped up to member status. And now God holds you responsible to connect to the local church. Right? I understand it's hard to find a good church, but you found one right we're not the only one but you found one the fact that you're in these seats here today lets me know there's something that God's doing here that is attracting to you and you need to stop attending and become a member you need to connect four weeks it's really simple every Sunday during the 11 o'clock service we're gonna help you connect why because our responsibility is to create the tools the training and the resources for you to do the work that God has called you to do and to promote growth in the entire body of Christ the second thing that you have a responsibility for is you have a responsibility to grow. Your spiritual growth is your responsibility, not mine. Now, my job is to provide you tools, training, and resources to grow, but your job is to grow. Your job is to take access, to, to, to take, uh, to access the tools, training, and resources that we've made available to you so you can grow. The scripture there says we should grow in every way more and more like Jesus well how do I do that Pastor Keith read my Bible and pray yeah that's a good start but let me just tell you something else we have a connection track to help you connect we have this crazy thing called the grow track to help you do what grow simple obvious strategic see it's our responsibility to make sure you got tools training and resources it's your responsibility to take advantage of it grow the grow track is the discipleship program here at liberty it's broken into three 10-week tracks grow one grow two grow three and they are all strategically intended to help you grow in your relationship with Christ the third thing you're responsible for is support right you need to not only receive support but you need to give support right do Not Not only do you need to be prayed for and encouraged, you need a place where you can encourage and pray for other people. Well, Pastor Keith, how do I do that? Because on Sunday morning, I don't even really get to talk to anybody other than when we're shaking hands. Well, I'm glad you asked because we created this thing called small groups. Small groups. What's a small group? A small group is a small group of people that get together for the purpose of supporting one another. We're going to pray for each other. We're going to build relationships together. We're going to encourage one another. We're going to weep together and we're going to rejoice together and we're going to grow together and we're going to connect to God and to each other deeper together because that's what a small group does. You have a responsibility to get in a small group because that's where support happens. That's where support happens. Pastoral care and support happens there. And not only for you to receive it but for you to give it. Let me give you one other way you're supposed to support as a member. You're supposed to support the local church financially. Right? Because it takes money to feed the family. Imagine if we said, hey, starting next week, we want you to to pay your electric bill and pay your house payment and, uh, and buy groceries for your kids and put clothes on their backs and get everybody back and forth to work and to school. But you can't have any money to do that. How difficult would that be? Right, we've all struggled financially and we know that when money is tight it makes it hard just to do the basic things that you need to do well let me just say this to you once you got saved you became a member of the body of Christ the church once you connect to a local church this church if this is your church you have a responsibility to not only receive support and give support relationally but financially to help us do what God has called us to do fourth thing I got to hush right here well, this is so good. Serve. If you're a member, if you're a member of the body of Christ, you have a responsibility to connect, grow, support, and serve. Serve, serve. Why? Because the scripture said there in Ephesians 4:16 that when every part does its special work, the whole body grows. We need you, right? We said that a while ago. We need you. And when one part of the body, listen to this, doesn't fulfill its role and responsibility, the body becomes unhealthy, right? If your hand starts working, your body becomes unhealthy. If your heart stops working, your body becomes unhealthy. If your kidneys stop working, your body becomes unhealthy, right? When parts of the body don't fulfill their role and responsibilities, the body becomes unhealthy. And God's vision for the church is that we would be healthy, growing, and full of love. So you got to serve. Well, Pastor Keith, I don't even know how do I get involved here. Well, I'm glad you asked. We have this thing called a dream team. We have a connection track to help you connect. We have a grow track to help you grow. We have small groups to help you find support. And we have a dream team to help you serve. During week four of the connection track, we're going to connect you to a dream team leader in a place where your gifts, talents, and abilities can most effectively be utilized. We don't want you serving in a place you hate. We want you serving in a place you love. And we want to help you serve. Why? Because you're a member. You're a member. And that's your role and that's your responsibility. Let me give you one last thing and we're going to close on this. Y'all ready? Minister. Minister. Now let me tell you what a minister is not. A minister is not a pastor or preacher. You are a minister. And the twist here, here's a little twist. Here's the twist. The only thing that a minister does different than a member is a minister is connected, a minister is growing, a minister is supporting, and a minister is serving. But now the minister is also helping other people do the same. Helping other people do the same. That's what it means to be a minister. When you pray for somebody, guess what happened? When you encourage somebody, guess what happened? When you you, uh, support somebody, guess what happened? You're helping them. You're helping them connect. When you invite somebody to church, you're a minister of the gospel. When you pray with somebody on your job that's hurting, you're a minister of the gospel. When you connect somebody to connection track or the growth track or introduce them to a, a small group leader and say, hey, why don't you come to my small group? Guess what you are? You're a minister of the gospel. And you're helping people connect. So let me just say this to you today. I want you just to look at me real quick. Our goal, God's goal, let me change that. God's goal is that you go from being an attender to being a member to being a minister. Those are the three roles. Everybody in this room can find yourself in one of those three places. I want to challenge you. What's it going to take for you to go the next step? It's your responsibility. God is calling you to more. Amen. Let's grab hold of the more that God has. Let me pray for you today. Father, I thank you today for messing with us. I thank you for challenging us, compelling us, and drawing us forward. And I pray for every person here today. I thank you that every person is significant and valuable and important. And God, we need each other. And Lord, most importantly, we need you. So we ask you to help each of us to continue to move forward, to take that next step in what you've called us to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you today. We love you. Have a great day in the Lord. Amen.